Hey guys, so this week's episode is a little bit different than all my other ones. It'll just be me today. Um, I sent a Google form out to a bunch of my friends and asked them just to ask me any questions they might possibly have about my podcast or the content that it typically covers. Um, that being said, they submitted things all over the place. So um, I'll be answering like around 10 questions today that my friends were curious about. Um, figure you can get to know me and some of my opinions a little bit better. So to start off, um, I got asked, what is the most useless article of clothing? Um, In my opinion, I would say hats. Um, It might be biased because I don't think I look good in hats, but my least favorite trend from probably 2019 and 2020 is the bucket hat trend. Um, I don't love them. Um, Sometimes I think they can enhance an outfit, which is pretty rare, but a lot of times I feel like they can pull a little juvenile if you don't wear them the right way um I also just think they're a little difficult to style um and yeah um the next question I got um was who are my favorite youtubers at the moment um and I went through I guess why my youtube for you page um and I picked three youtubers that sort of span across multiple types of content so The first being Trixie Mattel, who is my all-time favorite drag queen. Um, She's been producing a lot of great content in quarantine, um, whether it be reviewing Easy Bake Ovens from the 80s to releasing anything for her makeup line, just talking about drag. Um, She's hysterical. I recommend you go give her a listen. She also has a podcast with Katya, who is her sort of drag counterpart. So that's also pretty good. That's found on YouTube as well. Um, the second YouTuber, which leans a little bit more fashion than the others, is Chris Clemens. Um, he's a YouTuber who has taken the pandemic very seriously. Um, he's really refreshing to listen to as someone who's not making a lot of effort to do collaborations during a pandemic. He understands the severity of it, which is really nice. Um, and then he also just has a heightened sense of taste when it comes to fashion so I know he went to NYU for undergrad and I think he developed a lot of his street style from what he saw um, in his undergrad years which I really have come to appreciate I think he does a really great job pairing this edgy street style that's extremely popular right now with some really high-end pieces by designers that are not as common I would say he also supports small businesses um POC-owned businesses um, and shouts them out all the time and gets custom pieces fitted by them. So overall, great guy. Um, and lastly, my third favorite YouTuber um, at the moment is someone named Bailey Sarian. Um, she's sort of a niche YouTuber. Um, she does crime or like true crime videos while she does her makeup. Um, And there's something really therapeutic about watching her do this like gorgeous eye look and tell you about um, like Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, I love true crime. So it sort of wrapped up a lot of things I'm interested in all into one. So I really love Bailey right now. She's done a great job in the pandemic as well. The next question or prompt I got was what is the ideal thrift find? I tend to use large thrift stores like Salvation Army and Goodwill to find funny graphic t-shirts. I tend not to have luck finding Levi's or things like that that you see um, 
people going crazy for online. I just love going to the graphic t-shirt section and seeing what's there because there's some really funny stuff. So I would say if you tend to strike out with thrifting, always look at the graphic tees before you go. The next, I guess, prompt um, was drop that skincare routine. Um, With wearing a mask, my skin is not doing very well right now, but one thing I will leak to you guys that has single-handedly I think helped my skin so much during the pandemic and maybe even saved it is the Great Barrier Relief Serum from Crave Beauty. Um, Crave Beauty I really value their business model. It is I think they have like around five products. I have this serum and I have their sunscreen which I really like as well. Um, But they never release new products in the same sense that larger beauty corporations do. So I feel like we constantly see with things like Neutrogena, Olay, even makeup industry um, companies that they'll release product, like new product, three or four times a year. And they'll release a new line three or four times a year. Whereas um, Crave Beauty has committed to kind of breaking that cycle because that cycle is very harmful to the environment. Um, I know all of their glass and plastic is recycled um, and you can always find their like core five on the website at all times. They're a bit pricier, but I've had this bottle for honestly like four months now and I feel like I'm only halfway through it. So single-handedly saved my skin. Um, Someone else asked, what is the best color for spring? And I kind of also looped in summer here with this one. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of orange in the upcoming months and orange prints patterns, things like that. Um, and I'm not talking like harsh neon orange, like like how sage green became a thing. I think it'll be this muted orange, maybe almost like a creamsicle type thing. I think that's something we should look forward to seeing um, from designers. My favorite Grammys performance. Um... <laughs> I will have to say Dua Lipa for this one, and real ones know why. (laughs) She absolutely killed it. Um, um, My good friend Phoebe Kubel asked me what my thoughts are on feather boas, Um, and I just wanted to shout her out because she sent me a screenshot after that her inspiration for the question is that there was a 1,500% spike in searches for feather boas after Harry Styles' Grammy look. So... My thought is if Harry Styles can pull it off, I think all of us can. So go get your feather boas, girlies. Um, my favorite fashion Insta pages to follow. Um, I picked three. I think they span, again, same with the YouTubers. I tried to pick stuff that would apply to everyone. Um, my first one is Olivia by Nature. Um, she's, I think she's from London. She's from England, but I think she lives in London now. Um and she is just my pastel fantasy. If I could play with light colors the way she does, that's how I would do it. Um, she has a very whimsical taste. She also recently bought a home as I, she's definitely in her twenties. She's in her twenties and she bought her own home. Um, and she's documented that process as well, but her home style at the same time is this gorgeous, like pastel palette, but it's not overwhelming and it's not pulling more Easter or springtime. It's just pairing neutrals with pastels and I like the way she does that um another one is um I think her Instagram is Hosk Elsa 
but her real name is Elsa Hosk. Um, she's a former Victoria's Secret fashion show model. Um, but now she has a kid and she's older. She's moving out of the modeling and her sense of style is pops of color, but also from pretty high end designers. Um, if I had the money, I would dress like her. Um, I think she really understands street style and how to pair something casual with something more structured. And I really enjoy her content as well. Um, a Instagram I follow for some more darker leather, um, more neutral fashion inspiration is minimal street style. Um, I love their stuff. It's really easy. If you have like a pair of black leather pants, you can go to their page and you can see hundreds of people styling them. And then you can sort of pull what you have from your closet to emulate what you're seeing. And then my last And I would say my favorite Instagram, and if I had the money, I would absolutely dress like her, is wasgood. Um, And I'll spell that. It's W-U-Z-G-O-O-D. I don't know her name, but she just plays with color like no other. And she's my absolute favorite. Um, She's also, like, so tiny. So when she, like, overwhelms herself with like large coats and like the baggy jeans it's really funny but um I believe she works at Kith and a lot of her stuff comes from Kith but she has a really great sense of style and I I don't know she just brings a sense of fun back into street style so those are sort of more my fun questions submitted by my closest friends but I would also love to cover some questions that are um, a little more in-depth submitted by my friend Michaela. Um, so the first being, um, during your study abroad experiences, how did you see the trends or ways of dressing morph across Europe? So I would say because I was studying in southern Spain, which was a beach town, um, really wasn't that streamlined and there wasn't really much going on street style wise. It was more for practicality. So it was super hot. You would never really see people out and about in like jeans and a t-shirt if they didn't need to be um even dressing for one of the more important jobs you would see people on the bus um wearing shorts and a t-shirt just because of how hot it was so i think being in spain eliminated what i had envisioned europe would be so i didn't catch much of the european style i thought i would get while in spain um, that being said, when I traveled on the weekends, um, that's where I really got a glimpse of what it's all about. So I remember some of my favorite cities as far as fashion were London and I think I want to say Vienna, Austria. Um, and that was just because no one really dresses down in Europe. Um, I wore sweats somewhere one time and I got looked at like I was crazy. Um, so everyone's always dressed up or dressed a little bit nicer, even if they're just rolled out of bed and are going to get a cup of coffee. Um, that's something I really appreciate. I found in quarantine that if I even put a pair of jeans on, I'm probably going to be more productive than if I was just doing the same thing in sweats. So I liked that. I think that was a nice thing to have and sort of be forced to do a little bit. And the other thing that I noticed, um, was they didn't go crazy with color. I don't know if it's because I was there in like the fall months, but it was relatively all neutrals that people wore and they were extremely clean lines. Um, again, I think that has to do with the season. I didn't see too much that was flowy, but it was very crisp, sharp, um, 
just nicer textiles, so like leather, suede, um, tweed that looked of nice quality, things like that. Um, just very streamlined. I feel like I've adapted some of that into what I wear now back on campus, but I know if I was over in Europe, I would be definitely going a little bit harder than I am right now. Um, and then how I saw trends like morph across Europe, like I said, in Spain, it was obviously very different than what I saw in London. Michaela also asked, um, what was the Spanish style like for young people? Um, and it was uncomfortably tight skinny jeans for guys. And I hated it. It was really weird because skinny jeans are not really a thing in the United States for guys, honestly. But apparently it wasn't Spain. <laughs> um, she also asked, what do you see the future of fashion looking like in terms of sustainability? I don't even know if I can fully answer this question right now. I I hope, like, I guess, yeah, I, I can't really answer it, but I, I'm going to say that I hope what I would see in the future is every brand, honestly, every single brand, just thoroughly thinking out how they can be as sustainable as possible, whether it be through shipping or literally anything, or just picking one piece or just picking one aspect of their business to really hash out sustainability wise. I think that could really help. Um, that's my dream for the next couple of years is just to have every company more consciously considering it. Um, she asked, how can brands be more sustainable and why do you think so many brands refuse to engage in more sustainable practices? I think how brands can be more sustainable right now is through buyback options. Um, We've seen that people sell their clothes online. I participate in that. Um, there's obviously a resale market, but if the brands could offer a collection service in order to recycle that or to donate even or send it to um, like a secondhand store of their own, like it could be, I know Reformation, um, which is a sustainable brand, um, ethically they're not the best on the inside. Um, which kind of came out during COVID, but they are extremely sustainable and they do have a shop called Reformation Vintage where there are a lot of expensive vintage pieces, but there's also just some Reformation stuff that people have given back to them that might be slightly damaged or worn and they sell it there. So just doing something like that, having a free people outlet where people can donate their free people clothes to either be sold um, their sort of thrift style um, or just donate it if they don't see a uh, secondhand option. I think that'd be really smart right now. Um, and why do I think many brands refuse to engage in sustainable practices is it's expensive. I feel like that's the number one reason. It is not easy to have a full-blown corporation not founded on sustainability and add it in later. Whereas we're seeing brands that are founded on sustainability keeping prices low because they've always been sustainable. It's the same with the Patagonia episode I did. They've always been as close to carbon neutral as possible. So it never costs them a crazy amount to go carbon neutral in, say, 2020. Um, they always had thorough shipping implemented, so they didn't have to add that later for an additional cost. So... I think the companies that are seeing these crazy price increases are the ones who are trying to add it later, whereas those who are being founded on these practices are doing relatively fine. It's a little more expensive to start up, but it's way cheaper to start sustainable than add sustainable later. She also asked, what would you say to people who buy from fast fashion sites? 
Um, I would say don't. <laughs> um, if you're really tempted and you want something from like Shein, um, just think about the price of the garment because there's no way your crop top or your dress that costs you $4 came from a good place. Um, and I don't truly understand how you can purchase things knowing that they don't come from a good place. And the people who are potentially shipping, making, or piecing together these garments, um, aren't being treated fairly. Um, I don't get, um, how as a shopper you can consciously purchase from places where prices are so low that it raises eyebrows. She said, how can we be more sustainable while shopping and still get a great deal? Um, my personal favorite, I think I said this in a couple episodes ago, is if I was in a store, I love to use the free people example because this was me in high school, um, is if I was in a store and I, for example, saw a pair of free people jeans that I absolutely loved, I would try them on in the store. I obviously didn't love the price of them in the store, so I would take a picture of the tag and I would go home, plug it into Google, find out the name of the jeans, and then search for them on secondhand websites. That's kind of the way I operate. If I see something in store, I'll take a picture of it, I'll come home, try and find the name of it, style, number, things like that, and then I'll search for it secondhand. But this method does require patience, I will say, because sometimes it won't be there in your size or it'll be in your size, but it'll be the same prices in store, which you might not want to spend. Whereas I've had pictures sitting in my phone for years and I don't end up getting the items until like six months to a year after I took the pictures. I know you might want it right away and you could buy it right away, but having a little bit of patience sometimes pays off in these areas because you can get it for way cheaper. Um, and lastly, Michaela asks, how do you balance new fashion trends and movements with being sustainable in my shopping? Um, I feel like this sort of plays into the last one. Obviously I want to be on trend, but I find that it's super easy to understand the colors, shapes, and textiles of the season. So for example, I knew sage green was a thing recently, um, not really a stellar textile. I guess leather was a really good textile this past winter, like fall, winter. Um, but knowing that, um, I would just keep an eye out for things that were sage green, um, on secondhand sites. So I wasn't buying directly like sage green tops from Zara because it's not the most sustainable. I would just keep an eye out for sage green tanks that would get listed on Poshmark or things like that. Um, same goes for the leather. I knew leather was a pattern textile, whatever you want to call it, um, that I really enjoyed. So I would just keep an eye out for it. Um, so just being aware of what is currently trending and then being able to somewhat settle for something similar. You're not going to get identically what's right on trend right now, most likely at a discounted price, but you can find stuff from other seasons that's in the same color. Um, it just might have sleeves versus being sleeveless. So I would just say keeping an eye on colors and things like that definitely helps to adapt what you're currently purchasing and also being sustainable.